another edition of the Seton Hall Sports Poll Podcast from the Stillman School of Business and the Sharkey Institute. I'm Seth Everett. The director of the Seton Hall Sports Poll, Rick Gentile, is on assignment. I love saying that. So we're welcoming the communications director of the Sports Poll, Marty Appel. And Marty, uh, you were kind of the genesis behind the idea that Rick and I should spend as much time as we have. Now that we have spent that kind of time, don't you regret it? No, I think they've been going great. I think they got a growing audience. Rick is terrific at it. I'm going to do my best today to fill those shoes. This is the April 2017 sports poll, and it's also the final sports poll of the school year. So there'll be a couple of months of the uh, summer break before we get into uh, the next school year. And this, the focus was a lot about Las Vegas and gambling and the idea that in the time since this subject has been broached, both the NFL and the NHL are going to be fielding teams in Las Vegas, which if you had that conversation 15 years ago, it would be preposterous. There's no way. It just seems to me that in the sign of the times that we're in, it doesn't seem so far-fetched. Well, 15 years ago or more, um, the population of Las Vegas didn't justify having major league teams there. But now, I don't think it's fully settled in with people yet that the National Football League and the National Hockey League are going to have teams there next fall. This is a big deal. Las Vegas is now a major league city. So when they actually start playing games and you see reporters giving the scores and saying Las Vegas, it's going to be a shock to the system for a lot of people. It will be. And the uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights named their, their head coach this week and uh, that was just a strange thing, and all the uh, NHL teams are getting ready for the expansion draft, and it's going to, to Vegas. Every, one player from every team is going to be finding out that they're going to Vegas, and I can just imagine the sound bites that'll come from that. For people who have not been to Vegas, you can hardly turn around there without having the temptation of gambling staring you at the face from the moment you land at the airport. The airport yeah. So it's uh, it's going to be a shock to the system as, uh, as the sports world adjusts to this because they have legalized sports betting there. You don't have that in Atlantic City, but you do have it in Las Vegas. Right. And uh, so now nearly half of the U.S. population foresees the increased likelihood of players referees or team officials gambling on the outcome of games, which is something that uh, the oversight is going to have to be massive for both leagues, and they're going to have to watch that. According to the poll, 46% responded yes to the question of increased likelihood for gambling on games, while 42% thought the likelihood would not increase. That seems like a, a you know close to 50-50 number, but the fact of the matter is, is that if half the people polled think that there's a chance that this could happen, it's kind of an alarming number. It is an alarming number, and it's all perception, of course. But the question that was asked covered players, referees, team officials, um, and, you know, just anybody associated with the sports, league officials. If they're in Las Vegas, uh, the temptation to bet is strong. Does that lead to a temptation to somehow fix games or shave points hard to go there i mean we didn't really ask that question but it's 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 not a comfortable thing for sports right but considering the way things are done these days you know we have talked on the poll at great length about the growth of nfl ratings compared to the lifespan of the iphone 
and just the idea that people can place their bets so much easier now. Um, yes, there is legalized betting in Vegas, but there's all kinds of remote ways to be in, in Vegas. I don't know necessarily that it would affect the people that are on the teams directly. I think the nightlife is something that I'd be concerned about, much like when both the NBA, the NFL, uh, and the NHL expanded to Miami, Florida. Well, you're right. Um, these are all things we're just going to have to adjust our thinking to. The other question that was asked in a similar vein was, do you think it'll tarnish the reputation of the leagues simply to have a Las Vegas-based franchise? And 21% said, yes, it would tarnish the NFL's reputation. And 19% said, yes, it would tarnish the NHL's reputation. Now, giving, putting that in context, it's like one out of five people feel the reputations would be tarnished. You can't really come up with another city in America that would have numbers like that. I mean, who would care about Jacksonville or Columbus or anything? Right. Right. But Las Vegas does get that reaction. No, it's, it's pretty amazing. And, you know, the results uh, do tell uh, a unique story. Um, this is also the same, you know, respondents, not necessarily for this particular poll. You know, if you ask the question, have you ever gambled on sports? And they all say no, um, because no one wants to, even in an anonymous poll, <laughs> that no one wants to acknowledge that they, that they do something that might be uh, illegal in, in some way. What about the idea that Adam Silver brings into the conversation? Adam Silver, for those of you who don't know, is the commissioner of the NBA. And I want to say it was three years ago, wrote an op-ed piece in the New York Times that I, I just thought was fascinating. And he said that we should basically, you know, just just put the cards on the table and legalize legalize gambling that it, 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 it could lead to huge revenue increases if you if you just acknowledge that these things exist rather than try to hide it in corners because what you're doing is you're stunting your own growth. I took a deep breath when I read Adam Silver's remarks on that. I think a lot of people in sports did. Personally, it's troublesome to think we're heading in that direction, but he's a very smart guy and he's a very capable league official. So he's probably onto something. Well, you know, one of the things that the NBA does brilliantly is their their international marketing. There was a time, you know, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, when you would be wasting your money, you know, marketing the NBA to Europe. What would be the point of that? And it, it just seems like the world is shrinking, and it's it's something that has been a, a perception. Um, what about the idea that Las Vegas taxpayers? would be funding the stadiums. Now that gets into, should any taxpayers ever be funding stadiums for billionaire owners and millionaire players? But in Vegas, it was also some unique numbers. The poll showed, in when we do the poll, we break it down by demographics because at the end of the poll, we ask questions of the, of the respondents. So it was interesting, maybe not surprising how this, the answer to this shifted as, as people got older. Uh, 45% overall approve of taxpayers funding stadiums. I thought that was kind of a high number, but we have found that when you name a specific city, like funding, funding this for Las Vegas, it's going to get more approval than just sort of out there and nebulous. But 
what we found with demographics was that that 45% rose to 52% when you asked younger people 18 to 29, but it sunk to only 37% for those 60 and over. So obviously, the older you get, the less inclined you are to give up your tax dollars for something that a lot of people think the team should pay for themselves. Right. And, uh, you know, the one thing you can say, I know that there is some public financing. Um, I can't speak to the arena. I know that the football stadium has some public financing, but there's these huge investors that have, that have jumped on board and, you know, $600 million and, and, and people who have uh, gone in to, to build the football stadium, which is supposed to be three years away. Could you imagine being a lame duck football team for three years? It is remarkable to think about it, I guess. I guess the Raiders um, just saw the potential even three years out of recouping whatever losses they may suffer in these coming years. And, you know, just to show you how, you know, Las Vegas has grown leaps and bounds, you know, you, you alluded to it at the beginning. In the NHL circumstance, the other bidders for expansion, again, this is an expansion team, not a relocation, were Seattle, Washington, Quebec, uh, Toronto, and they chose Las Vegas. And all you have to do is follow the money. You, you just you see where the investments come from and the sheer possibilities. The one concern that I have, and this wasn't addressed necessarily directly in the poll, was just to me, Las Vegas is such a transient place. I don't think that their home base will support these teams. I think there'll be a lot of deals where stay two nights in a hotel, get a ticket to a hockey game and get a ticket to a football game. And there will be bodies in the seats, but they'll be rooting for the other team. The other issue, of course, is the slogan for Las Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, making us wonder whether those home games will even be covered. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think you think the Super Bowl comes to Las Vegas? That's been debated recently. I can't speak to that. I just don't know what the thinking is at the, at the National Football League on something like that. Well, you know, all I can say is, and this is not not on behalf of the poll, but uh, you know, a Las Vegas Super Bowl still makes more sense than a New York Super Bowl. Um, it'll never be in New York. It'll never be in New York again, and it was because of the New Jersey rail system. Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> the poll also moved to some uh, interesting positions as far as the NCAA is concerned, um, locating championship games. Uh, the NCAA refuses to host a championship in Las Vegas. Uh, there are many anti-LGBT laws. What was the poll results on that? The poll showed people generally agreeing with the NCAA's position, uh, both on not having a championship game in Las Vegas and on not having it in states that have so-called anti-LGBT laws. Right, and the idea was, was was Charlotte, which the NBA recently uh, reopened the possibility of the NBA uh, doing an all-star game there. Uh, 45% agreed with the NCAA's position, 37 disapproved, and 18 had no opinion. You know, the one thing when it deals with, with those types of things, um, this connects the NCAA to institutions as opposed to professional leagues. It's the same thing that... I've had this debate a great deal uh, about um, Jay Wright, the uh, the coach of, of fellow Big East to school Villanova, said that he would um, he would 
really push his players, not force his players, but push his players to appear at the White House if they won the championship. Um, professional players have chosen to, to not go. You know, members of the New England Patriots, the Chicago Cubs wanted to go when, when President Obama was there. And I made the, the, the statement that it's different when it's college. Um, there still is, whether it's big business or not, there still is something connected to a university, and so the standards just have to be different. The poll also dived into the questions regarding women's sports. And, you know, women's sports are very interesting. There's existence of Title IX, and uh, there's all kinds of uh, financial ramifications. But the question was, should women's sports have women coaches? Interesting question for our pollsters to, uh, to have done on this. Um, the poll asked several questions about women in sports and women's coaching. Uh, the public seems perfectly fine with men coaching women's teams and women coaching men's teams. Not that we have a lot of that. Uh, but one in four people, exactly 25%, thought it was a problem that the great majority of women's teams, both collegiate and professional, are coached by men. Additionally, the poll asked whether there was enough coverage of women's sports by the media. And 59%, a pretty large number, felt there was not enough coverage. But yet, the television ratings are traditionally much lower for women's sports than for men's sports, so it's a chicken and egg thing. Rick Gentile put it like this, the director of the poll said, while people state that there isn't enough coverage of women's sports, media isn't incentivized to provide additional coverage because the viewership and the interest has been minimal. It's a bit chicken and egg. More interest yields more coverage, or does more coverage garner more interest? Well, you know, the idea is you have, you have so many different platforms uh, to, to purchase things and um, you know people can watch things on a a la carte basis that's you know kind of where live sports is headed and uh, I would imagine that uh, there are live games I, I'll give kudos and I, I don't give kudos to ESPN for much but I will give kudos to ESPN for uh, producing little watched sports that have some kind of a target audience uh, whether it's women's basketball, whether it's women's volleyball, whether it's men's lacrosse, uh, you see a lot of those games are available on their app. And, you know, sign of the times, that's a big way that people consume media, and it's a good way to measure ratings. But I would imagine that when you're talking about is there enough coverage, I think in five years, if you ask the same question, people will notice more coverage because more of it will be available a la carte. Um, and of course, five years out, how do we define coverage? What platforms right. are going to be available in five years? We know from this whole social media cycle that five years is a is ages, is ages. Uh, so there may be things available in five years we're not even anticipating now that's really going to open the doors for coverage of women's sports. And I just think there's such a pressure to win that I don't know necessarily that it's it, it, it deals with, with the prejudices that I think these statistics imply. And, you know, look, I, I don't want to speak for anyone, but I do think that when you're talking about uh, women coaches, um, 
it has to be something that women want to do. A lot of times what happens is uh, coaches who, who, who try to get jobs coaching men don't get those jobs and they try to, you know, kind of show their, their, their mustard um, as far as, as, as coaching the women because they want to just stay involved in the sport. I do think it's a little bit, and, you know, to grab a baseball reference, there's something about the interview process of just finding the best candidate. You know, Willie Randolph tells this great story about why he declined to be interviewed for the Cincinnati Reds managerial job. He didn't want to be the black candidate. He wanted to be a candidate. And if you're doing it just to satisfy a quota, that's not a reason to have me come out there. And I think when it comes to that, I it would warrant more investigation, but I would wonder whether or not an institution would shy away from hiring a former woman athlete who is in her late 20s, early 30s, who wants to get into coaching. Sometimes the Seton Hall sports poll over the 11 years we've been doing it has resulted in making people give pause and consider something they may not have considered before. I think the mere fact that 80% were perfectly fine with women coaching men's teams, when that number is seen by athletic directors at universities or even on the professional level, uh, it's kind of eye-opening. You mean it's that comfortable? It's not a big deal? And I think maybe we're onto something with that. Absolutely, absolutely. The uh, Seton Hall Sports Poll is conducted by the Sharkey Institute at the Stillman School of Business at Seton Hall University. All of its results can be found on the official website for Seton Hall University. And, of course, uh, this podcast can be heard as, as well. That will conclude year two. So I want to thank all the folks at Seton Hall University and specifically Rick Gentile uh, for helping uh, year two of this this podcast. We have completed two calendar years of, uh, of of the Seton Hall Sports Bowl podcast. And Marty, thanks a lot for pinch hitting to, again, steal a baseball phrase. I enjoyed pinch hitting. Thanks for having me, Seth. <laughs> That's Marty Appel. Uh, for Rick Gentile, I'm Seth Everett. This is the Seton Hall Sports Bowl podcast. Have a great summer, everyone.